Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. First is our orphanage, Beth Besed, which means House of Kindness, where 40 children are cared for each day, both spiritually and physically. And of course, there's our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira, who's setting Haiti ablaze by restoring it back to Yeshua, restoring it back to Torah, and to the Jewish roots of our faith in Messiah. Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T-O-R-A-H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax-deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. All right, so uh, I'm going to start with a little revelation from this Torah portion, and I have no idea how it um, fits into anything else I'm going to say, but so be it. The, The Lord has a way of connecting dots, even if it doesn't seem like they're connectable. So I'm going to put it out there because it's a really amazing revelation. So we know about, uh, many people know about the, the laws of kosher, the kosher laws, the laws of clean and unclean foods, the laws that the children of Israel, the Jews, were, were commanded to eat and not eat uh, that pertain to them in Israel. Uh, but there's other aspects of, of, the, of the kosher laws that you may not know about, and one of them is a prohibition against eating blood. That's actually a really old one. It goes way back even before the time of Moses. Uh, We may remember that uh, before the time of Noah, humankind were vegetarian. And then after the flood, God says, you can eat meat now. But even back then, he said, but don't eat the blood. And what he means by that is living blood. Because the life is in the blood. And later on in the Torah, there's there's a wonderful foreshadow into Yeshua. It says, I've given the blood as atonement which is a foreshadow into Yeshua's sacrifice. And that was so ingrained in, in, the, in, the, in the mindset of Israel to not eat blood, that it's, so, it's bad to eat blood. This is why when Yeshua said that my blood is true drink and my body, my flesh, is true food, it says that the disciples, many disciples said this is a hard saying and many disciples left him at that point. He went from a mega church back down to 12 in one service. <laughs> it's true. They, they couldn't take that one. So, and he said, he who, he who eats my flesh and drink my blood, I will raise up in the last day. I will resurrect at the last day. He who eats my flesh and drink my, drinks my blood abides in me and I will abide in them. This was such a, is such a thing ingrained in the Jewish people that uh, in the book of Acts, in Acts 15, now, now we may know the story of how God poured out his spirit on Gentiles and it kind of blew the Jews away because they didn't know what to do about it. It was, it, was a, it was an actual twist into what we see now where we see like the Christian church is predominantly Gentile. Like, you're Jewish and believe in Jesus? Wow! But back then, it was like, you're Gentile and believe in Jesus? Wow! Like, you're Gentile and the Holy Spirit fell upon you too? Wow! Like, that was something that they didn't know what to do with. They actually had to have a meeting. That was very corporate of them. 
they needed to have like a post-mortem, the Cornelius post-mortem meeting. Like, okay, something unique just happened here. Let's figure out what we're going to do about this here. Like, okay, these, these dogs are coming in. And we used to call them dogs. But now the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and what are we going to do about that, and what do they have to do? And even in there, they're arguing and they're debating, and it says that they finally came to a conclusion, which is pretty much forgotten these days. It says, all right, they can come in. We're not going to bother them, bother them with all the various aspects of the law of Moses, but let them stay away from fornication, let them stay away from idolatry, and let them stay away from things strangled in blood. That's the same laws as far as what not to eat. And I believe that was because they were very integrated into the Jewish community at that time. That was really needed to be integrated in the Jewish community. In fact, the, 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 the verse right after it says, besides, they're going to hear Moses in the synagogues anyway. Or actually, it says that Moses is read in the synagogue every Sabbath, which to me, I think, is a hint that they were integrated into this thing. So... As, as cool as it is that we're Jew and Gentile together in a Messianic Jewish synagogue, I got a hunch that back in the time of the apostles, you know what they were doing on Saturday? They were in the regular Jewish synagogues. That's why they met on the first day of the week. <laughs> that was sort of the, the, the believer gathering, and then on Saturday they were with the Jews. It's very possible that that was the way it was. Oh, and it's very possible that the first day of the week was Saturday night also. It, it, kind of, it, it, it gives meaning to why Paul... When he preached, he preached until midnight. And, you know, remember the story where somebody kind of fell asleep and fell out of the window or something like that? And he says, he says, come on, pal, get up. So he gets up and continues preaching. So if you guys fall asleep, I'm not worried about it. I'll just, you know. But anyway, so it, I think it makes a whole lot more sense that their meeting was a Saturday night. And that's why he preached until midnight, you know, rather than Sunday all day. In fact, Sunday in there, during that time was actually a work day. I don't think they were meeting. It's that way in Israel unto this day. Sunday's a work day. So anyway, I'm, I'm very much digressing, but bringing it back, it's very much into the, uh, in the Jewish culture and the Jewish mindset to stay away from blood. And uh, it says in Scripture, in the Torah, and it mentions it in this Torah portion, that the blood needs to be poured out of the animal like water. And then it came to me. Where else in the New Testament do you see blood? pouring out like water. Where do you see it? Where do you see it? I'm telling you, that Roman soldier was like a kosher butcher. Now, you may, you may we've heard a lot of teachings about like the blood and the water, and the blood means this, and the, you know, the spiritual revelations of these things of what the blood means and what the water means. I tell you right now, to a Jewish audience, Yeshua's sacrifice is a kosher sacrifice for the Jewish people. That makes his flesh edible to the Jewish people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Yeshua fulfills all Torah, he fulfills all Torah. But then what about the Gentiles? There's another revelation about the meat that they're, they're allowed to eat. It says that if meat, if, if it, you're, the, the Jewish people were not allowed to eat meat that died of itself or was torn by beasts. It specifically says that if it dies of itself or torn by beasts, it's supposed to be either given to it, given to a foreigner or thrown to the dogs. Thrown to the dogs. That's what it says in, in Torah. Where does it say thrown to the dogs? Yeshua spoke to a, a, a Canaanite woman who was saying, please help my, I forget if it was son or daughter, who needed deliverance. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Again, Torah. 
again Torah. The, the, the dogs or the Gentiles were supposed, were allowed to eat meat that was died of itself or torn by beasts. Yeshua said that nobody takes his life. He gives it himself. He died of himself. Or torn by beasts. The Romans tore him up like, a, like beasts. He became meat for the Gentiles as well. So he is kosher for the Jews. He is kosher for the Gentiles. He is all things to all men. His, his flesh is meat for all people. Yeshua takes the things of the Torah that confound us, the things that we stay away from, the things that make us unclean, and he twists the thing on its head and becomes it. It's a complete twist because, because the Jews are commanded, you know, okay, I set before you life and death, like in this Torah portion, I set before you blessing and a curse. And in the natural, we, we know what it means, and it still means this today. It's an amazing kind of swan song of Moses, just, like just before he died, and he said the whole Torah, and he gave everything he's going to say, and he said, okay, it's now in your hands, guys and gals. I set before you today a choice. Blessing if you keep it, a curse if you don't keep it. But the, the Yeshua t- turns it on its head because he became a curse for us. And all the curses that are in the Torah, he took upon himself becoming a curse to set us free. See, that, that there's a twist that it thinks he, that there's, a, there's a, a thought that he took the Torah itself and nailed it to the cross and made a spectacle of that. He didn't. He took the curse of the law and nailed it to the cross. And that doesn't mean the law itself is a curse. The law, it keeps us, tells us what to do and what not to do. It's a holy thing. But the curse of the law, I set before you blessing, and I set before you curse. He took the curse upon himself. He became a curse for us. So all we have left is blessing. So all we have left is blessing. If Moses set before us a blessing and a curse, and he took the curse upon himself, what is left but blessing? And Adonai wants us to walk in that blessing. And he wants us to see the blessing in our lives and no longer say, I am cursed. No, you're not. You are blessed. Yeshua became a curse. And this doesn't mean that life doesn't get hard sometimes. But it means that whatever's happening in your life, you are blessed. Because he took the curse upon himself. He took the curse upon himself. Everything Yeshua does, he twists everything, he turns everything on his head. Stay away from the leper. He goes and touches the leper. If you touch a leper, you're going to become unclean. No problem. He touches the leper and heals the leper. If you have blood, if you touch somebody that has blood, you're going to become unclean. Yeshua said no problem, and he lets the woman that has an issue of blood out of for many, many years touch him, and she becomes clean. He twists it. He twists it. He says, I'm not staying. You know why he said I'm not staying away from that? I'm going to touch that because somebody greater than the temple is here. That's why... Because you know why this whole clean and unclean paradigm is something that God put together for temple worship. It's almost like wash your hands before dinner. 
It's kind of like get dressed up and wash your hands and whatever you do before dinner. He set up this system where, the, where it, when you enter into the tabernacle or what later became the temple, you, need to, you needed to be ritually clean. And there's a hundred things that could make you ritually unclean. It's nothing to do with sin. It's ritually unclean. If you, if you bleed, if, you, if a woman has a menstrual cycle, there's a million things that have nothing to do with sin that God just says, when you're in that state, don't come to the tabernacle. But when, you're in, when you become clean, which really is just after sundown, it's all it is, you can come and give your sacrifices. But Yeshua said somebody greater than the temple is among you right now. Which means that all these things that made you unclean have no effect on Yeshua whatsoever. No effect on him. He twists the whole thing. He took all uncleanliness upon himself, so all you have left is clean. He took all the curse upon himself, so all you have left is blessing. Moses said, see, I set before you a blessing and a curse. But Adonai wants to increase our eyesight into really seeing what that means. Into not seeing with the eyes of, of, of legalism and saying, okay, I got to stay away from this and I got to do this and, and becoming under a, a, a rule-based system and I'm not speaking against that because we all have to stay away from sin. And even way in the, in the future in the book of Hebrews, you know, it, we're commanded to, to stay away, put aside that sin that just so easily entangles us. So we're commanded to stay away from sin. But I tell you, with the eyes of Yeshua, there's something greater that happens because he took that curse upon himself. And we live in the realm of blessing. And in that realm of blessing, even the things that appear to be cursed to us become blessing. Because God, he's like, he's like the sliver of moon on a new moon. Okay, tonight we celebrate new moon. Rosh Chodesh. The Hebrew word Rosh means head or, 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 um, or yeah, head or start of, beginning of Rosh. Chodesh is the word for month or it's the word for moon. Moon and month are the same Hebrew word. The reason is that the, the months are based on the lunar cycle. So whenever it's dark in the sky and the first sliver of moon comes up, it's declared a new month. And this, it's, there's amazing revelation in that in a couple of ways. Number one, in the, in the Jewish calendar, in the Hebrew biblical ways, new days start in the dark and new months start in the dark. And that will change your perspective on darkness that you're feeling in your life. Because we, we go to God and say, God, remove the darkness. But the Holy Spirit is saying, it's a new day right now. Because new days start in darkness. New days start in darkness. So no longer say, my gosh, I'm living in darkness. You look into the sea with the eyes of God and you say, you know what? This is a new day right now. New months start in darkness. This is a new month right now. You go out tonight. I'm commanding you to go out if the clouds are not there. Go out and take a look at the sky and realize how dark it is. And you'll see just maybe nothing or a little sliver. And you rejoice in the promise of God that in the times of where it's most dark, he declares something new. And that's seeing blessing and curse through the eyes of God. 
And, it, you know, right now we have a calendar that's very fixed because uh, we know that my people, the Jewish people, uh, a generation after Yeshua, was, uh, was the Romans came in and they destroyed Jerusalem. This was all in fulfillment of prophecy, and they were scattered all around the world. So the Jews had a problem. How are we going to maintain our unity at, at, when we're all around the world now? We're no longer in one place. Even when they went to Babylon, they were all kind of in one place. But now they're being scattered to the north, south, east, and west. So the children of Israel went all around the world. So the Jews had a problem. They said, how are we going to stay together? How are we going to celebrate together? So what they did is through this amazing complex calculation that um, I can't even tell you what it is. Uh, everybody, now all the Jews around the world, celebrate on the exact same day. But before that calendar, the new moon was pronounced. The new month was pronounced by sight. The priests looked for the sliver. And when they saw the sliver, they pronounced to all of Israel, it's time for a new month. It was done by sight. I charge you today to look for that sliver in your darkness. Because that's the blessing. That's the blessing. Look for the sliver. Look for the light in the darkness. It's there. And that is how we see through the eyes of God. The month that we're entering into is the month of Elul, and it's very important to recognize what it is. It's the sixth month of the, <laughs> of the biblical calendar. It's one month before, duh, the seventh month. But the seventh month is the time of all the holidays. It's the time of trumpets, which is a foreshadow of tribulation. It's a time of, seventh month is Yom Kippur, atonement. It's the time that Israel finally recognizes their atonement. And it's a time of tabernacles when the Lord is tabernacling among us. The seventh month is the end of all things. It's the foreshadow of the end of all things. It's the end of all things. This is why the year ticks up in the seventh month. Because now we have a new year in the seventh month. If you don't realize it, that in the, in, in, again, in this crazy Jewish calendar that's all in Torah, the year ticks up. Even though month one is in the spring, the year ticks up in month seven. Like, well, that, that, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Well, you know, it, it is what it is. That is in Torah that that happens. Even the years of Jubilee are pronounced in the seventh month. So this is factual. This is, this is biblical. So if the seventh month is really like the end, it's trumpets, it's atonement, it's tabernacling with us. If that's the end of the story, we're now approaching the sixth month starting tonight. That is the month of preparation. Because everything good in, the, in, in God's calendar has a time of preparation. Everything, every, every holiday, even Shabbat, has a time of preparation. Friday is a preparation time for Shabbat. And we may not realize this so, so much. It depends on how, how much Shabbat is ingrained into our lifestyle. But I'll tell you one thing. You go to Israel, and Friday is hustle and bustle day. You go to the market, and everybody's getting their challah, and they're getting their wine, and they're trying to get everything done before sunset. Because it's preparation day. We see in the New Testament, in the Gospels, there was preparation day. We see preparation day before Passover. Passover is, uh, is the time of unleavened bread. But before that, there's preparation. It's when you're cleaning your house of all the leaven. It's even for a couple of weeks before this preparation time. So the month that we're entering into is preparation time for the seventh month. So that is the time we enter into tonight. And it's very important to realize as we enter into this time of preparation that God 
is looking to refine us at this time because it's time for the harvest. And God is looking for maturity in the time of the harvest. And the maturity that he is looking for is a body that walks in empowerment and in fullness of the blessing that he has provided by taking the curse of the law upon himself and recognizing the blessing that he is in you, that he is in your family, that he is in your workplace, that he is with the person who's just constantly going up you sideways, that he is with your children, that he is with your parents. He has taken the curse. As we enter this time of preparation, I want to charge you to seek out the sliver, seek out the light, seek out the blessing in darkness. And I want you to practice speaking into that light. The Proverbs say that the pow- in the power of the tongue is life and death. And James, in one of the chapters in James, he gives a whole chapter on the power of the tongue that in one sense we're cursing God and the other sense we're, uh, I'm sorry, we're blessing God and, the, and, and with the same tongue we're cursing man. And, and brothers and sisters, this should not be. God is looking to raise up a prophetic voice in his body that knows how to speak to the light, that knows how to speak to the sliver. Let me explain. It's a lot easier to see darkness than it is to see light. It's a lot easier to see what's wrong than it is to see what's right. So as we enter into this time of preparation, the practice, the prophetic practice that I want to charge you with is in your situation, stop speaking to the darkness, but speak to the light. And let the light, all right, it's time. So I have a little show and tell today. It takes no prophecy at all to see that that's just a whole lot of dirt. What it takes, what the, the eyes of the Spirit say is that deep within this dirt is a seed. Now, you don't see it, but there's a seed in there. Every human being is created in the image of God, and that image of God is activated when we accept Yeshua. It's almost like there's a seed that's always in there. But once we accept Yeshua, it starts to grow and reach its fullness of our potential when we accept Yeshua in our hearts. So in this is a seed. It's a lot easier to just say this is a whole lot of dirt. And it is easy to look at each other and see the dirt. The dirt represents flesh. The dirt represents our failures our sins, our shortcomings, the areas that we just don't add up, the areas that we, 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 we don't meet others' expectations, the areas where people don't meet your expectations. That's the dirt. It takes no prophecies to see all that dirt, 
Darkness speaks a whole lot louder than light sometimes. And it's really easy to see that. So what we do, when the Lord is calling us to prophesy to the dirt, all we do is recognize the dirt. Blessing and curse. You're living in a curse. That's all we do. And when we do that, this is what we do. Your lifestyle is not matching up. You need to get a better handle on your life. We are good at removing people's dirt, but we're not good at speaking to the seed. And today, I want you to start speaking to the seed. It's really easy to see there's a, there's a problem with everybody. You know, there was a man that came to me one time. He was overweight. He had a food addiction. He came to me and he said, you know what, Brian? Everybody's telling me I need to lose weight. But I already know I need to lose weight. Nobody's speaking to, nobody's healing me. They're just telling me what I already know. You need to lose weight. But what happens if we continue to do that? What are we eventually going to take out? We'll take out the seed as well. And that's a biblical thing because Yeshua said in the, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, he said, leave it all alone. If you start pulling out the tares so much, you're going to start pulling out some wheat. And we've become too good at pulling out people's tares and not speaking to the wheat. So God has given us this tool, and we need to do this sometimes. We, we're accountable to each other. It's, it's okay in a, in, a, in, a, in a holy setting and in a setting where there is accountability to say, you know, you, you should straighten up in this area. I'm not saying never do that because that's a part of our, our life together. Sometimes we, we're, we're accountable to each other, and we need to tell each other. But God has given us another tool. What God wants you to do is speak to the seed. He wants you to do this to the seed because when the seed receives water then it grows then the roots start to grow then it starts to come out so how do we do this there's a seed in here but the end of the process where the Lord wants to grow you is to look at this and see that. Because the Lord looks at this and sees that. The Lord looks wherever you are and sees the fullness of what he's accomplishing. The Lord looks at your marriage and sees the fullness of what he's accomplishing. The Lord looks at your children and sees the fullness of what he's accomplishing. And when we see that, and we water the seed in faith, instead of saying, you have all this dirt around you, to speak, you're a sunflower. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Speak to the seed and say, you're a sunflower. You're a sunflower. You're a sunflower. You're a sunflower. That waters the seed. And that is what Adonai is seeking for us to do in this time of Elul. It takes no prophecy to speak to the dirt. It takes vision, see, re'eh, from heaven to see the sunflower 
in the dirt and to speak life over that. So that is my charge for you today. To speak life. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, it was, it was shared today that the God is the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. What does that mean? That means he sees the future right now. So Adonai, we want your eyes to see what you see in the future right now. Because if all we're doing is ministering to the present moment, we're not seeing with your vision. All we're seeing is the darkness. All we're seeing is the dirt. So Adonai, help us to see what you see. Help us to see people around us. Help us to see our situations with your eyes and teach us to speak what you see in the future. And that waters the seed. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father, we enter into this incredible time. We enter into the sixth month tonight. We enter into the time of preparation before the autumn festivals, Lord God. And I ask you, Father, to help us prepare our hearts. Prepare us in any way you want to prepare us, Adonai. You are looking for a body that, that is going to be ready. You are looking for a bride that is ready, Adonai. So have us ready and have us operate not just as believers in you, but as you. Right here, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Adonai. Amen.